the topic of attorney discipline is in the news all of a sudden. Why? Because some pretty famous lawyers are getting disciplined, including the man known as America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. On today's episode, we explain to you exactly what's happening here and why. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So perhaps you've seen headlines recently that Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York and former attorney for the former president of the United States of America, had had his law license suspended due to his role in an attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election. First of all, it's worth noting that the suspension only applies to two jurisdictions, but we'll explain more about that in just a second. The bigger question, or at least the one that I had, was what does all of this mean? Is he not a lawyer anymore? What can he do and can he not do? And how does this relate to the parallel disciplinary process playing out against a group of other Trump lawyers, the ones known as the Kraken team? When I have questions like these, I turn to my fellow colleagues in the Bloomberg Law newsroom, and there's no better reporter to answer legal ethics questions than Melissa Heelan. She covers this topic for us, and as you and I will both soon learn, she's not just a journalist, but also a lawyer herself. I started off our conversation by asking Melissa how having your law license suspended differs from getting disbarred. The distinction is that attorneys who are disbarred literally have their names removed from the role or list of lawyers who can practice in a jurisdiction. Suspended lawyers are still on that list. However, there are similarities. A disbarred attorney and a suspended attorney are considered non-lawyers. Non-lawyers, just like you and I, I guess. I am actually a lawyer. What? Wait, oh. But I'm inactive, so I'm a non-lawyer. You're Okay. Um, So I guess it sounds like the distinction is that Rudy could potentially one day practice law again, whereas if you're disbarred, like, it's over. You're, You're not allowed to practice law. In... A few jurisdictions. Most jurisdictions disbar attorneys for a certain period of time. In New York, for instance, I believe it's seven years, and attorneys can then reapply to be admitted. Nevada, New Jersey are two jurisdictions I'm aware of that permanently disbar attorneys. Got it. Um, so can he can can he do anything while his license is suspended? Like, can he, you know, do law adjacent things or uh, can he just give uh, someone advice or can he just, you know, absolutely nothing. He has to be completely law free. So one one thing to remember is that each state has its own professional conduct rules. They're based on the American Bar Association's model code of professional conduct. So it varies from state to state. Um, However, Non-lawyers cannot practice law, and this definition varies from state to state as well. But in general, this means an attorney can't exercise legal judgment, can't draft wills, for instance, appear in court, advise clients, take depositions, interview clients. However, some states allow attorneys to do legal research under the supervision of a licensed attorney. As far as I'm aware, in New York, however, there's case law saying that a suspended attorney such as Rudy can't work as a law clerk or a paralegal, for instance. So there's very little he can do at the moment. Let's uh, dig deeper into that. Like, let's say one of his clients, 
I don't know, maybe the former president of the United States were to, to come to him and say, hey, uh, Rudy, what do you think I should do here? Um, did, would he have to then say, sorry, I can't answer that. I'm not allowed to give you advice. Or could he just say, you know, yeah, here's what I think you should do. He is not allowed to advise clients. And attorneys who have been suspended must, under professional conduct rules, notify all their clients that they are suspended and can no longer um, practice law. Got it. So we're talking about Rudy Giuliani's license in D.C. and New York. Um, Those are only two states. Uh, We don't know where else he is licensed to practice, but presumably could he practice in uh, you know, other states, or does it not really work like that? If he were licensed in other states and not yet suspended, he technically could. However, most state disciplinary authorities require lawyers sanctioned in other jurisdictions to notify them as soon as they have been sanctioned because they will then proceed to um, impose reciprocal discipline, which is generally the same sanction or discipline. If the car, if the conduct would warrant a substantially different sanction, they might reconsider it. Some states have slightly different standards um, for discipline. Got it. So uh, it's not like a nationwide ban, but it's almost like that. It's almost, you know, tantamount to, you know, losing your license in one state can mean losing your license in most states. That's right. Um, all right. Well, speaking of sanctions, let's move on to some other attorneys who uh, worked with the former president uh, and specifically were involved in the uh, the fight to overturn the election results. Uh, we're talking about Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, other attorneys. Uh, there was a hearing in a Michigan court just yesterday uh, on Monday uh, where a judge was considering sanctions against them. Are judicial sanctions different than uh you know, other types of of discipline? In general, courts will apply what are called Rule 11 sanctions, and they're based on the the rules of civil procedure. And they are imposed to deter certain conduct, whereas the sanctions imposed by disciplinary authorities are meant to protect the public. Courts have the option of imposing non-monetary as well as monetary sanctions. For instance, um, a court might come across an attorney who has filed frivolous claims or filed claims meant to simply harass the other party. And they might then, on their own, impose a um, monetary sanction or the opposing party might move to have that attorney sanctioned. The purpose is slightly different and the sanctions are slightly different as well. Generally, if a court thinks an attorney should be disciplined, should be suspended, for instance, or censured, which is another kind of discipline, they will refer the attorney to the disciplinary authorities. Got it. So it's like two kind of parallel tracks, but they kind of interact or intersect sometimes. But it sounds like that. I, I like the way you put that, that one is meant to protect the public. The other one is just meant to uh, punish attorneys who according to a judge, misbehave in some way. Sure. And I I should have mentioned there are specific um, actions that need to have happened for a court to be able to consider Rule 11 sanctions. For instance, I think I mentioned filing frivolous claims, um, harassing other parties. And only attorneys who have filed documents with the court have signed their names to those documents 
can have such sanctions imposed on them. Right. And that's, I think, one of the issues that came up yesterday was that uh, one of the attorneys, Lynn Wood, uh, well, the issue uh, there is, as you mentioned, frivolous claims. And one of the attorneys said, oh, I didn't uh, you know, sign my name to that. Sure. And as far as I'm aware, it doesn't have to necessarily be literally their name is signed. For instance, an, a right. firm, right. an attorney who signs his or her name to a document is associated at times with a firm, and the firm can also be held responsible under the rule. So there is some leeway and some um, ability for a court to interpret really whether an attorney can be um, sanctioned. Okay. Finally, you know, let's take a big step back and look at the big picture here. Um, You know, this is a a pretty um, unique time for legal ethics. Uh, Some very famous people are experiencing the legal disciplinary process. Is this working the way it's supposed to? uh, Or is this a case where either um, these attorneys are, are being treated more harshly than other people or being treated less harshly than other people who'd be in the same circumstance? I remember when several complaints were filed against Giuliani at the beginning of the year. I spoke with a number of legal ethics professionals who really were unsure what would happen next because um, they felt this situation was really almost unprecedented. When the decision was handed down the end of last month, I heard words such as pleasantly surprised. This was hugely important. This was a rare um, decision. And just just to clarify, you, you meant uh, unprecedented in that someone who uh, is of this stature has never really faced discipline or some unprecedented how? I think kind of the whole situation, first of all, you could call Rudy a uh, a celebrity attorney. Someone who's, yeah. um, you know, known nationally. I think the actions that allegedly were breaches of, you know, ethical codes had a, a national impact. And some disciplinary authorities are hesitant to take on these cases because of the time and the resources they take. Um, a lot of celebrity attorneys will fight and have deep pockets and Disciplinary authorities sometimes uh, prefer to not have to wade into those into those waters. So I I think many attorneys were pleasantly surprised that um, New York took this step to show that um, this behavior won't be tolerated. Those are not my words, but <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. So it sounds like uh, the attorneys that you spoke with. Um, think that this process usually doesn't really work the way it's supposed to, but is working the way it's supposed to in this case. That's correct. And just one more note about interim suspensions. In general, they're imposed when clients get cheated out of money because that's a real no-no. And um, that's why I think some attorneys call this case unique because it really had nothing to do with cheating clients out of money. Yeah, no, that that's a really good point that they're you know, the victims here I guess are the American people, not so much a specific client who and and yeah, there's no client that's filing a complaint. It seems like most or all of Giuliani's clients are as far as we know pretty happy with his services, I guess. That's right. And um I believe the New York opinion did mention that 
the public, um, there was an immediate threat to the public because of his actions. Um, Giuliani mentioned on numerous of his um, radio broadcasts that thousands of dead people had voted, and he made a number of unsubstantiated claims according to the court. And what you mentioned, how, you know, the the public had been impacted, this was um, really important in the court's decision. Hmm. All right. Well, that was Melissa Heelan, uh, legal ethics and legal discipline reporter at Bloomberg Law. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you for having me. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Jessica Coombs, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. That's B as in beware the Kraken. I don't know. Thanks for listening, and we will see you all next week. For our next season of Uncommon Law, we're looking at the regulatory future of big tech. The giants need to be broken up. Facebook, Google, all of them. Is big tech impinging on your right to free speech? They've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter. Misinformation, disinformation. It's like a big Venn diagram. We do not want to become the arbiters of truth. We're calling this series Unchecked. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.